Hi, my name's John Kasher and welcome to Cash Talk, where there'll be no boundaries and a lot of straight talk. All things money, business, and just everyday stuff. Hey guys, before we get started, just a quick reminder that all the information in this podcast is of a general nature and not tailored to your personal circumstances. So please seek personal financial advice before acting on this information. Hey everyone and welcome to another session of Friday Finance and actually on this episode today uh, we're going to be diving into a pretty popular uh, popular uh, topic because uh, it's very front of mind and as always I'm joined by Mason and uh, without any further ado uh, how are you Mason and what will we be talking about or covering today? Yeah thanks John so today we're going to look at the topic of investing in uncertain times. Um, I think I mean, it's, I feel like times are always uncertain, but I think particularly now, there's a, there's a lot of balls in the air. There's a lot of a lot of reason to maybe be fearful. So I think now's a really good time to really dive into this. And if there's anything we need to be doing differently, now it is a little bit uncertain. It's a very, very interesting topic. It feels like sometimes there's nowhere to turn. Um, a lot of people are looking at the bond market. They're looking at the stock market. They're looking at the property market. And they're just like, where am I going to put my money? Um, and so very interesting, you know, obviously alternative alternative assets as well too are getting pretty beaten up. Um, and when you look at all most sectors, they're also being, 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 getting beaten up as well. You know, if it be small caps or large caps or medium caps or emerging markets, there just doesn't seem to be anywhere safe to put your money. So uh, very, um, you know, very great topic to cover. And like I said uh, on the intro, it's uh, a very topical one. Absolutely. So I think I think a good way to start this off is let's let's assume someone's listened to this podcast for the first time. They're looking to just start their investment journey. Is now is now a good time to start, or should should people be waiting until things settle down a little bit? What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is is that when it comes to investing, it's around time. So, and what I mean by that, it's not about timing the market; it's about time in the market. And for Viewers and listeners that have spoken to me, uh, heard me before, listen or watch me. Um, I, I've said it on repeat, and the reason why is it's not just from me; it's from great success, successful investors. Now, if you look at the likes of say like a Warren Buffett, who's now in his nineties, you know he's amassed the wealth that he's amassed. The biggest one that people don't look at is he's been investing since he was eleven years old. You know, so that compounding effect over eighty years has done him a world of good. Just be having having time in the market. Now, it's not to say say that you then go and throw the whole house and the kitchen sink and you know everything into investing. It's a matter of having a clear objective and having a clear plan and a strategy to get you where you need to get to. So, regardless of what the economic situation presents itself, it's about just starting. And I think that's the biggest thing. I think yeah, I think you're so right. I think it's. There's never a perfect time to start. I mean, while there is in hindsight, of course, hindsight, investing in hindsight's fantastic. It's uh, you can do really, really well. Um, unfortunately, we can't do that. So I think, yeah, as, as you said, start just getting started. And you, it's as you said, you don't have to put all go all in. You don't have to push all your chips into the middle of the table right away or, or ever. Um, you can just dip your toes in. You can just hundred bucks here. Like, it's really easy now to start. To start. Um, yeah. And this is what's scary uh, for most people around the property market 
uh, because they're now starting to realize that in a downward market, you're just putting so much of your eggs into that basket and you're putting so much on the line when that decision's being made. So very much, you know, at the moment, there's a sense of... Um, a sense of fear in a lot of people when it comes to the property market. Um, they're now realizing that property is not this kind of just safety net that was this misconception. And everyone can get caught up into this FOMO on property as well too, like any other asset. Um, but there's also some opportunity. Remember, be fearful when people are greedy and be greedy when people are fearful. And so I want to emphasize this is not about being timing in the market. It's around just correcting your emotions towards your investing. But once again, um, you know, we've talked about it as well. Diversification is also key in uncertain times. And at the moment, just be wary on putting all of your chips into the middle of the table as Mason talked about, um, because you don't know what's ahead. No one knows. I just want to, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's always a tricky one. I think, we always hear we shouldn't we shouldn't sell when the markets are low and shouldn't buy when the markets are high, mm -hmm. but we do the exact opposite as humans. Mm -hmm. Like, so what what is causing this? Like, we know in our minds it's not a good idea, yet we see it time and time and time again. This is exactly what people do. Like, what is mm -hmm. actually causing this? And the biggest thing is, Mason, is just you only know of uh, that it was the high once it's gone past you. You only know that it's the bottom once it's gone past you. And this is why timing is very, very difficult. It's like, for example, let's say now you're looking at the stock market. You've made a matzah on the stock market and you're thinking, I'm going to cash in. I'm going to cash in my profits. Um, I'm going to beef up my cash uh, because that's what I should do. That's, 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 that's what I should do. I should take my profits now uh, because it's going to be cheaper. How do you know? It might go up. It might go down. Now, don't get me wrong. If you've got a target asset allocation that you know that is going to create the highest level of probability of you achieving to your returns, that might be done on a predetermined strategy. A strategy that was created before you're making that decision in a clear mind and clear head for you to make that decision. That is totally different to you looking at the market and saying, oh, I think it's a bit high. And this is the time when I should be cashing out, okay? Now, on the flip side of that, it's the other scenario. You're looking at markets. Markets to you look cheap. Now, how do you make that decision? Why is it cheap? What's your, what's your, what's your theory or what's the facts on this? And if you think you're right, question yourself. Ask someone else, yeah? Uh, because it may not be cheap. No one knows that, okay? Um, yes, it might be cheaper than it was a month ago or two months ago, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's cheap, okay? Now, when you're investing in things like the stock market or the property market, you're in it for the long term, okay? So when you're looking at the decision, it's around, I say to many of our clients, if you're going to put, say, $10,000 in the stock market, just pretend like you're never going to get it back, yeah? And you're only going to get the dividends of this for the rest of your life. Would you be willing to give it away? As soon as you ask yourself that the question, you start to realize that, oh, I'm getting rid of this money and I'm never going to get that $10,000 back. And would I be willing to do that and just live off the earnings? 
And then that amount you see usually changes. This tune goes from, you know, I'm wanting, willing to put in a million bucks to, oh, I might only put in a hundred. Yeah, I might only put in 10 grand. Okay. So we just need to be mindful of the behaviors, what's going on, you know, what's cheap to you? Is it really cheap? Are you crystal balling? There's a lot of behaviors, you know, and influences on you. And I know we work very, very hard into behavioral coaching with our clients, okay? Helping them to look around corners maybe they can't see or stop them from making silly decisions with that money, with their money. So, you know, for people that aren't clients, you know, who do you have? Who do you have that's working with you to keep your behaviors in check, yeah? And are you having biases that are influencing your decisions? And what impact is that making on your long-term decisions, Okay, and in uncertain times, it's that emotion that continues to fight against that logic. Okay, and it's the investment decisions based on logic that are, are, are always the best ones, not the ones that are based on emotion. Okay, there's a saying that goes around, "Ah, oh, I've just got this gut feel." You shouldn't be making that decision based on gut feel. I don't know whoever made that up. You should be making decisions on what your brain tells you, not on what your gut tells you. Yeah, 100 spot on. Yeah, that, that, that saying does go around a bit. And particularly when it comes to investing, it's quite funny. It feels, oh, yeah, the gut, my gut said that. It's like, yeah, wow. My gut also tells me that chocolate's good for me. So yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, let's leave that as it is. But I think what you brought up there, it's something I really wanted to go a bit deeper into. You, you mentioned behavior and biases. So yeah. a, a really key one here is loss aversion. So Basically, what loss aversion is, is humans disliking losses up to twice as much as they enjoy equivalent gains. So what that basically means is we prefer to hop, like we don't like to lose. So if we if we lost $5, to get that joy, that equivalent joy, we need to gain 10. Mm. So I think that's, we need to know that these types of behaviors that we're thinking of. And there was actually a study that came out, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, John, when it comes to retirees, that's up to 10 times as much. And you, can, you can understand why because they can't earn that money back. But it's being aware of this type of bias and there's many others as well. But loss aversion seems to be a really big one when it comes to investing. So I'd love to get your opinions on that as well. Yeah, 100%. I think that the when it comes to loss aversion, it's, it's huge. Um, I think as investors, we need to be making sure that we're controlling the risks and the returns will speak for themselves. Um, too many people are focused on in the good times just making tons of money and not protecting their ass on the way through. Um, we need to be protecting our backside, okay? We need to be making sure that um, we're not exposing ourselves to huge losses that can wipe out our portfolios. You know, have a look at what's going on in the in, in some of the crypto space. I mean, even these really kind of high PE tech-orientated stocks, you know, these these. these 75%, 80% losses, you know, some even more. That is that is huge. Like to be able to recover that money is 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 crazy. Okay. And so I think what I've experienced in the last, you know, 20 years of being in and around this profession is that is spot on. Like I probably wouldn't even have had to look at the had to look at the facts and the research to tell you that's exactly right. And and as you go on. The more mass or more wealth you amass from hard work and and determination, the more you want to protect it. 
Yeah, you talk about those retirees that are maybe slogged away for 30, 40 years working after after hours. You know, that money's pretty important to them. Yeah, all of that time that they traded for that money, all of that hard work that they got. And so, what actually happens is is that they're really conscious of what the effort they've put in, and they don't want to lose it. And so, what happens when it comes to loss aversion as well, too, Mason, is you obviously hear about those people that you know win tax lotto. You know, and they then go take a, they either blow their money, but even when they're investing, they sometimes invest very poorly because they're investing their money without taking, you know, understanding the associated risks. They haven't really had a loss. They've had a mega win, but unfortunately that loss is just around the corner. So you need to control your emotions, both in when they're there, when they're in a euphoric state and when they're also in that really dull state and, and fearful state as well too. So um, we work with, our clients and I have for many, many years in regards to making sure that they've got the right mindset, a realist mindset. Um, some people can have a, um, a poor mindset in regards to investing and they can have one both from a taking too much risk or, or, or not taking enough. Um, and, and, and also there is the other thing is when it comes to risk and loss aversion as well too, you can also um, not take enough risk on because you want to avoid loss aversion as much as possible. You're that scared. It's like, I don't know, being burnt before and then you just don't go near fire at all, okay? Um, and so you, we need to work with them along the way and uh, help them build that up so that they can at least maybe stay next to the fire. They don't need to get really close, but they can stay next to the fire. And so the reason why we do that is because, you know, things like longevity risk. So think about it if you're wanting to, I don't know, let's say you're in your mid-30s and you want to retire by the time you're 50. Uh, life expectancy is pushing up around the at the 90. So, you know, you've potentially been working for, say, oh, 30 years, okay, and your money's like got to out, you know, live you, you know, got to survive for 40 years without you pumping any new money in it. Um, that's pretty crazy that you need that to be the case. So, you know, if you're not taking enough risk on early and if you're not making sure that you've got a robust plan in regards to what risk you need to take, long-term could be a killer. But there's a... Another thing as well too, I think when it comes to studying about investing at all, there's a big focus on compound interest or compounding of returns and there's not a major focus on compound losses. Um, and so that was one of the top the items that you were mentioning before. Um, I can't remember in the textbook learning about compound losses like when I went through uni, okay? And uh, Mason's shaking his head. He, he, he's, he's saying the same thing. And so, especially on social media and other platforms, there's no one out there going, oh, yeah, this is compound lossing and this is how it works. And, and Mason, as he was clearly saying before, um, compound lossing is detrimental. And what we mean by that, guys, is let's say you've got $100, yeah, and you've lost 50% returns. So, you know, your $100 is now 50 bucks, okay? Now, Mason, takes a fair bit for that 50 bucks to get back to 100, doesn't it? It most certainly does. It most certainly does. Um, yeah, so we've lost, yeah, we've lost 50%. But to get the back up, we have to gain 100%. Yeah. That's unfortunately how the math works. And it's like, oh, that's, that doesn't seem fair. Um, but unfortunately, that's exactly what happens. Um, it's, yeah, so to, to gain 100% back, as you imagine, like 100% return on investment takes a long, long time for a lot of investments anyway. I mean, some, some investments, yeah, they shoot the lights out. But typically, 100% return is a lot. And finding yeah. that, it's hard. Yeah, and 50% can happen, yeah? Uh, you think about the GFC, um, you think about some other major downturns in markets, that has happened, 
Okay, so we just need to be focusing on risk and not on the return. If you focus about the risk and manage the risk, the return will speak for itself. Okay. Yes, I think it's a good. I think it's a really good tip. Yeah, we want to focus on our own our own behaviors. We're, we all behave differently in these types of things. Like me and you react different to the same events, even though we're the same job and everything. But we've got different pasts, mm-hmm. and we react to these things. So being aware of what you, how you react to certain things, that, I think that's. You're halfway there if you can do that because I, I know I react badly to these. Therefore, when markets are in turmoil, I'm not going to look at the, on the news or I'm not going to look, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to put myself into that space because I know I'll probably sell because I'll, I'll be scared and I'll sell. And that's fine to be that way. It's just but educating yourself, knowing yourself, you, you're going to be halfway there. I think if you could just go to sleep for 10 years and wake up, your portfolio is probably going to, Probably thank you for it. Um, it's yeah. it's one of those things where it's the, the less you touch it, probably mm-hmm. going to be the better. And that's not to say you should never mm-hmm. touch it, which brings mm-hmm. me on to my next point, John. Mm-hmm. We might see our portfolio going down in value. Um, it mm-hmm. might be because uncertain times, different things mm-hmm. are happening in the market. How do we know when to change our investment strategy? What if our investment strategy is not working for us? It's not the market. It's the actual strategy. How do we know and mm-hmm. when should we pull the trigger on changing yeah, well, that's a very interesting one. So one of the ones that happens is that things change very quickly. You might look, move from a, a deflationary environment to an inflationary environment very quickly. And you think about it, like relatively what's going on in June 2022 has moved quite quickly if you consider it an, an investment horizon. So you might be in a position where your assets are very, uh, they're not accommodating to an inflationary environment. Okay, so it may mean that you need to adjust your portfolio to accommodate to these inflationary environments. Now, it's not to say that you want to make knee-jerk reactions, guys. Okay, you want to have a logical approach and say, based on the factual data that's being presented to us, what are the economic conditions that are being presented? Okay, so um, I'll give you an example. Okay, so in inflationary environments, discretionary spending is usually tightened. So if you've unfortunately put your portfolio where they're heavy in discretionary spending, they're going to have a, usually a bit of headwind or, or, or if we're going into an into a inflationary environment because those, those companies are being um, put more under pressure. Okay, So it really depends on what the existing portfolio looks like for the adjustments to be made. Now, most successful portfolios, though, already will have inflationary hedges in there and will already have deflationary hedges in there. So unfortunately, Mason, most people that are making changes due to these economic conditions or large changes, let me say, yeah, is usually because the portfolio is not sitting where it needs to sit. And that's okay. Sometimes these things happen. So there was a recent portfolio that we were changing for one of our clients, okay? We just found that the portfolio didn't have enough downside protection that we would like, okay? It was, it, was, it was taking on too much risk for the return objective that it required for the portfolio. So we made some structural changes, okay, inside the portfolio to build in better downside protection, compound lossing. Okay, what we're trying to do is put measures in there to ensure that we've got enough assets that are negatively correlated to one another 
to build the diversification in the portfolio to ensure that the client does not wake up with all of the money gone, okay? We want to be making sure that it's steady, stable returns that are going to sail through any kind of storm that is being presented to it. And when I say sail through, I am not talking about making returns when everyone else is not making returns. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it's in line with, let's call it the volatility that we can expect from a target asset allocation the way we're going, okay? Now, things change very quickly. What I mean by that is the Russian sanctions that happened recently, okay, they happen and not that no one saw them coming, but like they happen pretty quickly in an investment change world, okay? Now, do you make knee-jerk reactions to that? Well, I would hope that you didn't have all of the portfolio in, you know, exposed to Russia in the first place. But if you did, what do you do? Yeah? Do you cut your losses? Do you adjust? Do you learn from it? Well, one of the things is you're going to learn. I'll tell you right now, okay? But one of the biggest things as well, too, is around understanding why your investment strategy is there in the first place why it's being diversified, why you have exposure, okay? Now, there's people that don't believe in what I say, guys, okay? There's people that believe that you should be sector-specific on everything and thematic in everything and try and time the market and time these different things. Awesome, cool, all right? If that's what you think, that's not what I think. That's not what I've been taught. That's not the books that I've been read and the most successful investors of all time don't believe in that. John C. Bogle says, the founder of Vanguard, don't buy the needle, buy the haystack, okay? When it comes to investing, we can buy the haystack. We don't need to buy the needle, okay? So why are you trying to find the needle in, in, in everything when it comes to investing? Everything I will tell you here today, guys, I just want to remind you, is general advice only. It doesn't take your personal circumstances into consideration. And what we're telling you is educational reason, for educational reasons. If you find yourself in a scenario where your head is spinning, and you don't know which way to move, go seek professional advice. We are trained to help people get out of sticky situations, okay? Creating logical structures, okay? Now, let's keep going with that scenario. So you find yourself in a scenario where you've invested incorrectly or what you think is incorrectly. Now, why I said thinking correctly, because you may be just getting caught up in emotion, okay? You may be getting caught up in emotion. Stock market's down 40%. Why did I put all that extra money in, okay? And that loss aversion is killing you. You may have think you've made a completely wrong decision. It's completely stupid. But it may be just your emotion getting the better of you. And this is where you need to think outside of your brain. You need to think outside of what's going on in your emotions and speak to someone. And say, hey, you know, obviously I'm talking about a professional here, a professional financial advisor. This is my situation. How do I get out of a sticky one? Do we need to restructure? Am I, am I digging myself a bigger hole? Yeah. Or should I be moving and, and going sideways or going left and going right? You know, some people say, oh, John, you know, for example, we might tell a client to sell a particular stock or tell them to sell a particular investment. And they're going to me and saying, oh, John, but you're crystallizing the losses. And these are usually people that we've inherited their portfolio, okay? But 
we're doing it because they're structured the wrong way in the first place. You know, they're overexposing themselves with too much risk for the return. Now, regardless of where the time sits, like we said, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. So if the risk and return trade-off is way exceeding what they need to do, we need to structurally change. But don't get me wrong. We might look back at it and go, oh, shit, we shouldn't have sold that. Yeah. But we may also say, oh, my gosh, that was the best idea. So I give everyone a tip. Okay. This does not come from me. It comes from people that are much, much smarter than me. What you should do is imagine you had no money invested. It was all sitting in cash. And you're looking at your portfolio and you're saying to yourself, would I do every single one of those investments right now? Okay. Would I buy that stock again? Would I buy that ETF again? Would I buy all of this stuff? And the reason is, is you will then quickly identify what you should not have in your investments. Okay. Now, don't get me wrong. There's more to the story than that. But it's a great way to see where the strengths and weaknesses are in the investment portfolio. That is a good tip, I think. I think, yeah, I think if you're not willing to buy it today, then what's it doing in the portfolio? Um, as you say, we're long-term investors. So if we're willing to buy it yesterday, but not today, then it's not, it shouldn't be there. It shouldn't be sitting in your portfolio, hanging out. We don't want things just hanging out in the portfolio for no reason. We want only people who are invited. That's all we, that's all we want in that Correct. portfolio. Yeah, I think... I think what can sometimes happen, John, we see this sometimes as well. So obviously a lot of couples come in to, to see us and to, to go over the situations. And as we said before, everyone has different paths. Everyone has different biases and behaviours and things. Couples aren't going to match up perfectly. In fact, I'd say they never do. Yeah. So what would your advice be if one half of the couple was really pro-selling where the other one's like, no, no, stick to the strategy. We've got to stick to it. We've got to keep the portfolio. Because unfortunately, no matter which way it goes, if you sold mm. and then the market goes back up again, one partner could be resentful mm-hmm. or it could go the other way. If the market's going down and you didn't sell, mm-hmm. the other partner could be resentful. Oh, I told you to sell. Like it's, and, you, and as we know, finances can create some major, major risks in a partnership, in a, in a marriage, in relationships. So how do, we, how do we become aligned even if we have different risk tolerances? Mm. That, that's a very interesting one. I think the first thing that came to me is personally myself, I try to lead the conversation. It probably comes naturally with myself um, and bring the confidence to that relationship. Uh, well, that, that, that We're talking about that professional kind of discussion, sorry. And the reason why I'm saying it is because what's actually happening is with both of those conversations, their emotions and their biases are fighting the actual decision that we need to be making here today. Yeah. The decision we need to be making is based on a predetermined strategy, based on logic, based on data and based on factual information, not based on what you feel and what you think. Okay. So the reality is, is what does this investments need to do to produce the return that needs to be produced to facilitate the goals and objectives that we need for you in your life and what needs to happen? So I think from an advisor's perspective and from my perspective, it's really owning that conversation, really becoming the leader and the confidence and giving the direction that needs to be had and basing it on logic. And I know that a lot of people that work with me really, really appreciate that and sometimes lean on me for that level of, 
of 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 leadership and direction. Obviously, there's not a lot. There's some people that don't like that, but that's okay. You know, you can't work with everyone because I think what needs to happen is that's like the boardroom. I see it like a boardroom, and let's say we're making decisions on a business. One person's arguing, and the other person's arguing, and then everyone arguing, and then no one does nothing. Yeah, to make a board effective, there needs to be a direction. There needs to be a this is what we're doing, and these are the reasons why. This is our vision. This is our mission. These are our goals and objectives, and this is what we're trying to achieve. So when I take it to personal finance and I'm taking it to then investments, what's the goals? What's the vision? What's the mission? What are we trying to achieve here, people? Why do you feel that way? So working with one, oh, I'm really scared about what's going on. Okay, cool. You're scared. I get that. That's an emotional feeling. Okay, is it a logical one? Do I have to work with them to get their financial literacy to a point that they feel comfortable of the risk that they're taking on? Is their risk tolerance changing because of what the economic conditions are being presented to them? Okay. When they first were speaking to us, were they in a happy spot? Did they, uh, I don't know, did they have a good day or did they have a bad day? Yeah, and these things are emotions that play on their investment decisions, especially when they're working, but also when they're investing. If you're self-directed, you know, are you feeling optimistic? Did you get a pay increase? And you know, I don't know, your boyfriend or your girlfriend, you know, made you feel good, or your husband and your wife. Um, therefore, you may be optimistic and maybe taking a little bit too much too much risk on, and not really you're doing that. Or you have got the other one who's ultra risk, yeah, but not uh, you know ultra uh, risk tolerant. He's, he or she is willing to you know put the house on you know, the house and everything on um, on black or red. And they're not really looking at covering their backside. So it's really understanding where both of them are coming from, but really coming in from an objective decision and coming in with a sense of leadership to say, no, this is what needs to be done. And I think more than ever, for people that, you know, are, are listening, you know, I love this scenario, Mason, because I believe that I'm really having an impactful a difference and a transformative experience on a very immediate scenario because usually these people are then walking out with a clear vision, a clear understanding, a clear strategy of exactly why we're doing what we're doing. And I believe that this is why our clients see so much value and get so much long-term results because it's making sure that they're sticking to that pathway and they're making sure that they're not falling off that pathway and getting caught up with questions and potentially arguments that they're having at home. They're taking it to a professional sense based on logical decisions. And that's what investing in money is all about. Yeah, I think uh, I think that can be summed up. I think what you said there is absolutely spot on. I think what, how we can sum up is basically open, honest communication and making a decision together. Because if you make a decision together, you can ride, ride and die by that decision. And there's not going to be resentment later on because you, you arrive at a decision together. And as you said, having that third party such as yourself, such as myself in there, being we're objective we try to be objective we don't take sides we're not saying oh we're on this side we're not we're being objective this is what we think you said you want to achieve this this and this mm. to get to this point we need to invest this way do you agree yes fantastic we can move forward no mm. fights i think um i think if all relationships had a had an advisor we might see a divorce rate go down Maybe, maybe, man. I think I think the other one is actually on that as well too. Sometimes in a relationship, there's a person that might be a little bit more dominant when it comes to financial decisions and stuff like that. And as you know, we're kind of very, very trained to help those decisions be more even and hear out both stories rather than rely on one and not the other. So um, 
But for people that are like self-directed, just be more aware of if this is happening, yeah? And if it is happening, do I need to go seek advice? And do I need to have a robust plan that's based on logic and based on strategy to help me sail through these kind of uncertain times, especially to ensure that I still get to the objective of, you know, being financially free or whatever it may be? Yeah, I think that's yeah, so, so spot on. I think it's so, it's so important in times like we are in now, these uncertain times. So I think, well, I think we're reaching the end at this point, John. So I just want to rehash out some of the things we discussed um, and please add on things that I might have missed. But I think key in this period of time is it's better to start now than never. So time in the market rather than timing the market. Diversification, knowing our levels of risk tolerance and know, know our behaviours, being aware of our biases, mm-hmm. open and honest communication, mm-hmm. and consult a third party, a financial professional, even... I, I even think and talk to a friend or something, just anything. Like just get it out of your head. Get it out get of your it head. Out. I think that's I think that's crucial. You don't have to you don't have to go to an advisor. You can I think an advisor is also good and it's what we do and we love it and we help mm. we really enjoy helping people, but some people might not be at that step yet, because this is a big step. Maybe mm. take a smaller step and then build up towards that. Is there anything I've missed there, John? I think uh, I think we've covered some really good things today. Yeah, I, I think we have. I think the, the biggest thing is as well too is when it comes to uncertain times like we spoke about right at the start, sometimes you find yourself head spinning because there's no safe place that you know of to put your money, okay? And just take a moment to think, what's the cost of not speaking to someone who can help protect and reduce the risks than you potentially putting money into either something that doesn't make any money or loses you money after we've talked about compound lossing, okay, the cost of getting it wrong or taking on too much risk for your return objective is crazy. Get it out of your head. Speak to your partner. Speak to your friends. Speak to your family member. Similar to, for example, if you've got another problem, maybe mentally or physically or emotionally, get it out. And then take it to the next one. Get professional advice, Yeah. Go build yourself a plan, a strategy to get you from this uncertainty that might be just in your mind to clear, concise strategy to get you from point A to point B, okay? I say to most people, I know what your treasure spot is. Your treasure is when you're in a position sipping pina coladas in Barbados, yeah, and you've got passive income that exceeds your lifestyle requirements. It's the most people know what the treasure is just unfortunately life is not a straight line it is a squiggly one okay and this emotional behavior these uncertain times i can assure you for everyone are going to continue to happen okay they're not just going to be here and then never be here again in your life okay they're going to continue to happen so we need that make sure that we're sticking to that plan getting on having a treasure map and then getting on the journey and making sure that that ship on the tre- on the on the journey to that treasure doesn't topple over. Okay, so then when we get to the treasure point, we enjoy it, we 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 celebrate it. Okay, and then we start pushing on to your legacy. What do you want to be remembered for? Uh, what do you want to live your life by? And continue to live life on your terms. I think that's a fantastic way to end it. I think, John. That's it. That's it. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening and uh, watching again. 
I really appreciate all of the followers and everyone uh, that has been listening to Friday Finance. We will continue Friday Finance. Um, and also, if you ever want to just follow us as well too, um, you can follow us on, uh, on me on Instagram at the John Casher. Um, or you can also follow the business as well too, um, which is AFA Group Wealth. I'm pretty sure if you search it into Google these days, uh, you can do that. What we try to do is just obviously try and keep everyone informed, cover different topics. And as always, if you want to know more, just feel free to reach out. Thanks, everyone, again. And look forward to uh, to having another session next week with you, Mason. Cheers. See you Thank you for listening to another episode of Cash Talk. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to learn more about me, jump onto my Instagram at, at thejohncasher and you'll find me there or at my website at www.johncasher.com.au. Thanks for listening. Cheers.